Greetings there, SE Land. This is Twig, Anthony Twig Wheeler. This is episode 81 of Twig's SE Reflections. This is a podcast series for SE students and practitioners, folks studying the somatic healing arts, psychobiological literature, applying all of that to their healing professional work. I'm Twig, and I'm here to share another another episode with you. This is episode 81. New listeners, welcome. Maybe you've come in in a little hiatus, a publishing hiatus that I've taken. want to welcome you here. This is a audio archive of various different off-the-cuff thoughts and reflections, offerings, hmm, words that I've shared over the last year or two online at Twig's SE Reflections on iTunes or at liberationispossible.org backslash reflections. And there's other stuff besides. When you go there, Twig's uh, let's see, liberationispossible.org backslash reflections, you'll find information about where this project come from, comes from, who I am, why I do this. All you longtime listeners, thanks for your patience while I was gone. As you know, I, I was down in the desert. I went down to Arizona, did a little thing with my people out in the camping world of what we call experimental archaeology, primitive skills, living skills, old skills, Stone Age skills, close to the land skills. I was out there weaving baskets, and I was also thinking about you all and tried to keep this project running. And gosh, you know, it just didn't work out. I had a little moment with the Border Patrol while I was recording. It was all friendly, and we, I got that, you know, white privilege, white man discount, and they let me go without any any hassle whatsoever. But it it did tell me that I was trying to mix two different worlds in the wrong time and place. I put this podcast down a little unexpectedly. Here I am, episode 81, ready to pick it back up again. We're going to 100 episodes. Other exciting, interesting, I think, interesting topics coming up soon. Today, going to finish up on this question, what to do. What to do when every new sensation is a threat. In episode 80, I was given a long list of challenges and considerations, things that we need to pay attention to and be aware of when we're meeting with somebody who experiences themselves primarily from a position of pain, where their internal experience, their felt sense experience is one of, you know, from anywhere from awkwardness, I don't like it, to... This is all super, super painful and uncomfortable. And so there's a bit of a gallery back in episode 80 around different considerations. And as long as we know that those considerations are out there, that when we go toward addressing that kind of consistent red, 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 trauma, 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 vortex kind of material, that if we're going to go in and try to touch it, try to make contact with it and such, I just... I just encourage you, me, I, I always try to remember that there are concerns with trying to do that. Like you could become associated to the pain. You could become responsible for the pain. You could you could go in without, you know, the prospect for much pendulation or much change to happen, anticipating or wanting it to happen out of a desire to help this person out of their pain with the specialness that is your work or is somatic experiencing or is the desire for them to feel better or is a reflection, a 
kind of a feedback of their desire for you to make them feel better. You could go in with lots of ambition to try to alleviate this pain, to make this different this time. Just sit with that. You could ask a person to just, oh, you feel that pain, that pain, that pain. Just sit with that. Just feel that. This is somatic experiencing. Let me just invite you to just, can you just feel that? <laughs> Which I can understand. I, I've done that. You know, you just, you don't know what to do. This is one of them. You don't know what to do and you trying to get the pendulation and the pendulation really isn't there. And you go ahead and just succumb to the idea, the hope, the dream that by somehow sitting with that distressing side of the pendulum, it will pendulate and oscillate and some change will come forward. No, no, it's just so, so, so unlikely to happen, my friends. Probably go over there and maybe get into freeze. Maybe there'll be a little relief once the pain gets up to freeze. Uh, or maybe they'll they'll just be relief because the session will get over and everybody will feel better because this was so important to feel the truth of that or some some such there are um there are ways that we have to be really careful about when we go in to touch a person's pain 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 this turns to that threat this turns to that threat and there are times then we're gonna do it we need to do it we need to be able to do it one of them that i was talking about this last episode 81 I got kind of, oh, we ended the episode at, at a moment of contact with the, the local authorities. Um, <laughs> well, I was sitting there, let me tell you, I was sitting there in a, in a arroyo, in a wash, and I was, it was beautiful. There were saguaro cactuses all around and Palo Verde trees and a rock bluff. It was, it was a little kind of paradise. It was early morning and I, uh, you know, it's like, oh, there's no rain anywhere nearby and this will be totally safe. So I just pulled off the road and kind of hid myself quietly in the shade of this tree that I was under and uh, kind of a, a big Palo Verde tree. Not much shade, but you know, if you're in the right place, you get some shade there. And I was, I was just talking to you. And then I, I had a knock. I had, well, I didn't, he didn't knock. I had a sense that I was being watched and I turned, kind of knocked me in the head <laughs> while I turned and and uh, and there was a fella with his hand on his holster looking at me as though I was I was up to something and I then had the flash of recognition that even though I was in central Arizona this is uh this is you know this has become a big deal so at the moment that that encounter happened which turned out amiable enough I was talking to you about trying to complete something in the context of everything crying for attention and action all at once. That's a, that's a way that I think about what's going on with co-contraction. Like when a person, as per the example in episode 80, the close there, when, when like the head and neck want to turn both left and right at the same time, I have like these two competing impulses. One is to turn left and one is to turn right. And it's related to the autonomic nervous system saying that I want to do that, not the person's thought process or something, right? It's like an involuntary movement sequence, a motor action plan. 
you know, a, a procedural memory instruction set, an involuntary action, a, um, a procedural, an implicit memory, right? There's an instruction here, a corruption of memory, as, as Bob Scare called it one time. And it, maybe lots of times, actually. Well, what we have there is the nervous system signaling, saying, turn to the left. The nervous system at the same time saying, turn to the right. And that kind of conflict between these two different things to do both at the same time seems to be the, the juice of, it's not the only way that this happens, but it's the juice of things not moving. You know, of tonic immobility, of a kind of stuckness. Underneath it is this notion that everything wants to do itself. It wants to pull. It all wants to pull. It just, it all wants to pull more or less at the same time. Or maybe it's got some kind of rhythm or this one wants to do it more than the other. But there's like an inconsistent, you know, it, it could be all kind of variants of it. But the notion is there's a bunch of signal telling structure, telling muscles to pull somehow in relation to themselves to themselves, always wanting to do that until they get the satisfaction of having done enough of it that they say, oh, I did that part. I did the signal. I did the instruction I was supposed to do. And now it gets to switch on and phase transition and go on and do something else, complete that sequence, you know? And so of course people are uncomfortable with that. It's pulling on their muscles. They want to stretch it out. They feel the, the tautness of that, the pain of it. Maybe they frequently you know, trigger the system up into that pain by reminding the neck that it wanted to pull, maybe hunching on the over the computer for a certain period of time, and then it, and everything just goes tight. You know, it's there's all kinds of ways into it, but the notion here, what we want to get to, Twig, is that both sides can be pulling at the same time, and if you kind of go in just you know willy nilly or you know not with a whole lot of attention, not with now, with some kind of plan, you could simply reinforce that everything wants to go off at once and nothing gets to change and all we feel is tightness and all we feel is pain. And if this is in that context where the person is already feeling like nothing is going to help in that context of a broader sense of always feeling a lot of pain, you know, you could kind of just help to reinforce that therapy or some kind of body-centered approach to your suffering won't be helpful, whereas it could be helpful. This, this is like one of the big, unique, beautiful places of SE. It could be uniquely helpful. It could be super helpful. It could be amazingly helpful. It could be bizarrely helpful. It could be strange. There are strange things that happen in here where if we can help the nervous system to do some part of the thing that it's trying to do, ostensibly without triggering off everything else that also wants to happen at the same time, because you can't do everything all at once. You know, there's like this kind of thing, the nervous system the brain, thought, all kinds of processes inside of us act like bottlenecks. There's a whole lot of stuff behind the bottle, but it has to go through the neck for all the goods to get through. You can't pay attention to everything all at once. All the different firing and signaling can't go off at once. In this example, it's a perfect example to see if everything does go off all at once, all you get is freeze. 
Exactly, right? If it all goes off at once, everything just gets too loud and gets frozen. It also just gets stuck, tonic immobility. So you, you want like, you want somehow, and this is like the, the, the magic of it, you want somehow to complete something here. Something that is in association to the complex that's, say, going off. Say, in this case, all the muscles around the neck, kind of holding the neck stiff. Giving the person the sense of a very limited range of motion. That if they turn a little bit to the side, one side or another, they, yeah, it's just really tight over here. It's just really tight over there. And you can, I hope you'll, you'll do this, me the favor of this, of just expanding that to the notion of, and this is only in one reason why, but if you go back to episode 80, there's this question that we're holding. What to do when every single new thing is considered a threat? And that could be like the broad experience of the body experience, the sensations. And in that episode, I kind of said, let's limit it to sensations. But we could, we could take the broader step out and just be like the new plan, the new idea, the new engagement at work or at home. It's like every new thing is a threat. So pull it back again to the neck. Every new little sensation here is a trigger for everything else to go off. And yet we want to succeed with some little part of that being successful and getting to do its thing without triggering off everything else. And if you know that that might be possible, and if you know that you're trying to do that, you can um, uh, get very practical for a moment. You'll get, you can engage people who have this stiffness of their neck, this tightness, this co-contraction going on, where you can let them do their yoga moves and their stretching. Everybody, you know, once they bring their attention to feeling that tension, almost everybody tries to do something about it. You know, they pull up or they lift back or they pull their chin in or whatnot. And if you you could say, don't do that, I, I kind of scream inside when I see them do that. I'm like, oh my gosh, I used to do that. And, and I know that we don't want to do that. That's all that's doing is getting everybody noisy. <laughs> You know, eventually you're just pulling on the tendons and the tendons have little sensors in there that are just saying, hey, I was told to pull and now I'm being stretched and it just makes me want to pull tighter. So, you know, you can ask or you can give people permission. I'm going to say this. This is the way I go about it. I give people permission to do that by not stopping them. They do their stretching and then I ask, how about after that? You know, is that is that better? Is that helpful? You know, and, and I don't... Don't, I don't say that in any kind of condescending way. I say, oh, it feels like it wants to do that, or, oh, it feels like that wants to happen. I really, you know, kind of go with them, and I mean it. It's important. Even though I know that I'm being tricky, I care. And they respond, yeah, you know, it kind of relieves it for a moment, but then it kind of gets tight again. And that's a, a certain kind of evidence for me that it is this muscle pulling from the autonomic nervous system that it just keeps coming back. It still wants to do its thing. And at that moment, I probably say or ask for, hey, well, you know, if it comes back, would you be up for doing it maybe a little bit different this time? We'll just try something a little bit different than that. Like I can kind of see why you're doing the stretching. It's like maybe the idea, and I kind of really appreciate the idea. It's like it feels like it's tight. And so it feels like be being able to stretch it, by being able to stretch it, you would kind of relieve it being tight. 
people say, yeah, that's, that's right. But it, you know, sometimes they kind of say, well, yeah, but it doesn't work or yeah, but it just comes back or yeah, it works. Sometimes you'll get all, you know, you get the different kind of layers of response to this and somewhat a measurement of how sincere the system is about doing this contraction, which is also a little bit of a measurement for you about how much you want to try and get into it. Cause it might just signal everything up turn everything to pain and you are now responsible for that. That's a little warning backing out of the warning. You know, they give you their different levels of response, but then you get to just say, well, you know, it makes sense. And another thing, one of the things that seems to be happening is like the muscles are tightening on their own. Does that seem to be right? Does that seem to be accurate? People say, yeah, that's they're tight. Yeah. It's not like you're telling them to be tight, but they're tight on their own. Yeah, they're tight on their own. Okay, well, let's see. Let's just be curious. If we can let them kind of feel like they're tight on their own, which way are they trying to pull? Can you tell? And now when it's co-contraction, it's going to be all the different kinds of ways all at the same time. You know, and like sometimes it'll be more on the left or more on the right, and then that's helpful. But a lot of times it'll just be like, well, the whole thing is just tight. I just feel like stuck, right? And now here, here's where you might, in this kind of case, become more like a stimulant rather than just a, a passive questioner, right? Where now you're going to input a tiny little, hopefully very controlled stimulus into one movement or another. Make that movement happen. Get back to something that was like neutral, and then get their attention out of tracking anything else that happens. That's, that's the pattern. So that once you get this agreement, this kind of contract to try something different, when you have some sense of movement, they tell you it's more pulling on one side or the other, then you can give a little bit more credit to just one pulling itself and then getting out of it. Meaning just let that side that feels like it's more tight, let it pull. Right? But when it's co-contraction and it's both side to sides, more or less equal, a lot of times you can, instead of asking for just feel that, which it isn't going to go anywhere, you can instead ask to do something. Tilt the head a little bit forward. Turn the head a little side to side. And what I usually do is I just use the mo movements that they were stretching with. I just, I think I probably just get this from watching Stephen Hoskinson, but I, this is definitely what I do. I just look for the movements that they were making when they were doing the stretching. And then once they've, we've gone through the contract to move away from the stretching and move more toward allowing the muscles to be their own tightness, I just pick up one of the movements that I saw them do with the stretching. And I say, we're just going to make that movement, but we're going to make this the tiniest little edge of it will just stimulate those muscles the tiniest little bit and then come back to neutral. And now you have to measure. Do we feel for a moment? Do we feel for a long moment? Do we just get out of here? And all of that is informed by how much that pain, pain, pain process was evident before, right? How much flexibility you have. But your goal, your goal 
is to have something successful happen here, meaning nothing bad happens, and you're able to do a little something in connection with the complex, and then you're able to get out of it before it sets off all the other coke contraction and all the other this hurts, that hurts, and all the other paying attention to all the other things that are wrong. You're trying to isolate a tiny little did this, done that, got out of it. And help, I think, this is the way I see it, help the nervous system that has all this bombardment of all these different signals of do this, do that, pull, 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 to get to do one of its little pulls at a very low level, very titrated, and then be able to get out of that and then have some time for that overcoupling to have a little bit of space before you go back and engage it anymore. And what you'd like to do, what I often try to do, is find the place where this little request is so, so small that it's guaranteed to work. I mean, it gets really silly with some people. It's like in the just, because you can, you can extrapolate this to like everything is I can't and everything is pain, in which case I need to get some success with something not being as painful as everything else. So like I'll just say, I know this is ridiculous, but can I just ask I mean, I know that this, this is totally a way crazy starting place, but if you'd join me with this, can I ask, yeah, can I ask, now I do all of that to, to really back up how much we should think that this is supposed to be valuable and important because it's that passion that everything needs to be valuable and important on something that actually needs to be so small that it's not inconsequential and doesn't like send the conflagration off. Yeah. You see that it, your first things have to be small to be successful and be done. So they have to be inconsequential. So somehow you have to get the passion. We were talking about the passion in episode 80, you have to back off some of the passion. So one of the ways to do that is to make your first requests around paying attention to these difficult things so small and inconsequential that they look like they're going to be nothing. And so in this one, I kind of get this weird, awkward permission for trying this silly, stupid, banal, basic thing. And one of those basic, banal things might simply be lifting your hand and then letting your hand sit back down. Like just lifting your hand off the chair there. And, and I know it's really, it's like really basic, but, and you know, and I, and I, I'm not trying to belittle the pain at all. Like I know I hear you. It's like your neck hurts and it's hard to turn and it's hard to move anything. And it causes you sleepless nights all the time. And it, you know, and I'll, I do, I care and I'm listening and I'm able to use my reflections of what people have told me about their pain to come back and say the truth of this, lifting your hand, tilting your head, one tiny little micron and back again, letting your head dip down just one centimeter and then pulling it back again, doing the tiniest little intervention around these pain places, around this I can't, where everything is always the same. Even the tiniest little ones, I know they're not going to be significant. And yes, that's what I'm trying to do here. I'm trying to get little successful completions of things and let those build. And I try to pull it in to in association with the problem, that's a place that I like to hang out with people, in association with the problem, maybe the body all being in pain or the head and neck all being in pain around this area, that's like two different levels, right? The whole body, that's one level of the nervous system being noisy or, okay, like the rest of me is itself and it's maybe not so great or comfortable, but 
but my neck really calls me a lot of attention and just really holds me down. Those are just two different levels, right? You can see how one is more differentiated, the neck one, than the more globalized, everything's painful. This is just a, a, this a bit of a spectrum there, right? And it just keeps going to where it's like, oh, you know, somewhere way over on the spectrum at the other side, it's like, oh, you know, feel a few things that are uncomfortable, but more or less my system just pendulates to other things that aren't uncomfortable. And even in fact, some of them that are maybe potentially quite pleasurable. Whole spectrum there. Meeting the farther down where the noise is such that any contact with the felt sense is a noisy experience the goal, the goal for me, is to get in there, touch something, help it be successful and not cause the whole conflagration of all the other noise to go off and then get the attention out and try to give as much time out as possible before going back in and out. Not as much as, well, just as much as possible. The, the fact of the matter is the more time you could spend out, the better. The reason I go back in in the first place is because if you ignore it, the noise just gets louder. But in fact, judging by my own personal experience, as well as what I've seen with a whole lot of clients over the years, the more we can get the attention away from paying attention to these pain and this kind of ubiquitous pain, this constant pain, this one thing leads to the next pain, probably the very best thing we could do would be to get our attention out, not not permanently, but somehow semi-permanently. Now, that's not going to happen. It shouldn't happen. I don't think the nervous system would allow it to happen. But it gives a, a certain kind of rubric of like lean in that direction, the attention getting out as much as possible. Because the fact of the matter is the pain's going to call us back in. The dangerous thing calls our attention. And when that's internally generated, that that's very close to home. It's very easy to call our attention in. The trick there is what are we going to do with it when we go in? Do we just go in and sit with it, go in and feel it all, go in and feel one thing to the next? Or do we go in and we try to do one little thing with it and then get back out? In the example of the neck movement, it's to do one little movement into the one side or another, up or down or something that says, oh, now I'm, I'm both pulling one side and also stretching another side, so I have to make this very small and then come back to neutral. That's a, actually, you could see that in Feldenkrais behavior too, right? Like behavior, Feldenkrais practice, like very similar kind of process. And here we're just kind of using a very similar kind of like into it, back out, track and get out. How long you track becomes the question. How far along that spectrum are you? How much otherwise noise is there? What I could try to get to saying is that sometimes the dips in are so minuscule and you have to have a good contract for that to be able to happen or you have to have so much personality that you can hold the person's attention in other ways but you sometimes go in so so quickly hey you know we're just going to stop in going to reach in our heads wave to our friend who's in the kitchen and say i love you i wanted to stop and say hi don't have time to stop and chat but i love you and i'm already leaving and now i'm already and now we got to get the attention back out again. The more you can get your client to go along with you on that, the better. The harder that is, the more antagonistic they are about the situation of their pain, etc., etc., etc. Yeah. Can I can I do that? Can I can I can I say that that's how I think about these things 
that it's not exhaustive. It is the center of what's been on my mind to tell you about what to do when everything goes to pain. When everything goes to pain. Let me make sure I get this all. When everything goes to pain. I'm not going to get it all. I promise that I can't be, shouldn't try to be exhaustive here on this podcast. But I do know, I know that I could say this. When you meet with somebody whose experience of their experience goes from pain to pain to pain, that's a special place for your attention where you want to be very cautious. I want to be very cautious. I think we want to be very cautious about simply applying the tools of the trade that are somatic experiencing with open questions that invite people into their attention and their experience of themselves, with guided reflections on the things inside of themselves that feel good or feel better. We want to be careful with our language and with our requests. We want to notice that this presentation means, you know, this presentation, this way that a person relates to their experience, it means certain caveats need to be in place for us that we don't want to reinforce their pain we don't want to continue to provide evidence for the notion that things can't change we want to be careful not to kind of like jeopardize the therapeutic relationship by trying to do too much and re-engaging the pain sequence or the pain signal particularly out of a desire to help a person feel that much better, that much faster because of their desire, our desire, then their nervous system is actually going to allow to happen. And we get evidence from that based on the lack of pendulation that we see and the kind of quality of how long this pattern has been going on, that the nervous system has been reinforcing a kind of a red, 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 trauma vortex, trauma vortex, danger neuroception signal from like motor systems as in the physical system of pain or, you know, gastrointestinal disorders in the kind of context of pain. Like we just see, we hear a whole lot of charge and activity in the autonomic nervous system that we recognize probably has deeply conflicting messages about what it wants to do and to simply get to ride one sequence out and have the whole sequ- like have everything else quiet down it's a kind of a dream and actually with the right context between the right combination of client and practitioner even in really ra- loud 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 lots of conflicting I want to do this, I want to do that, I need to do this, I need to do that in order to survive, in order to get out of this stress response, in order to get out of this dangerous situation, all of these conflicting survival responses. Sometimes you can get in the track of one, execute that one, maybe a a sequence that feels very connected, have the entire complex around that. It's kind of a multiple trauma vortex kind of issue here with Steve and Hoskinson's multiple trauma vortex, but it's very much just a basic SE thing as well, just to recognize that you can complete one sequence and then have other, I call it noise, noise around 
that was being impacted kind of quiet down and everybody just notices through one session a definitive difference that might be everlasting. Magic sessions, they're out there. And, well, we realize that nah, that requires a certain combination between the client's readiness and the par- practitioner's capacity for guiding those kinds of things, considering how much conflict of interest is likely to come forward by all the other signals that say, me too, me too, me too, bad, bad, bad here. Those bad, bad, bad me here signals are attractive. And you're trying to get somebody to pay attention to one thing and everything else is saying me too. And what they feel is something like everything is painful, overwhelming pain. Everything is tight. Everything is just stuck. Nothing moves. So from there, you get a little cautious. You make sure you're not going to make this any worse. You try to like get a contract, a sustaining strong contract that says that I don't know, you know, there's different ways to go about this and I'm not going to go into them now, but you're looking for a stable contract that says you can investigate this in the way that you recognize as valuable. Even, you know, it's got to be done the right way to address those that are already with some quality of equanimity around this constant pain. You know, not that they're like enjoying it, but they've got some wet willing distance from it whether cultivated or just there by chance and then there's you know there's a whole nother side of things where people are understandably desperate anxious and upset about it not changing and they want it to have already changed and there's there's kind of contract issues for both of those but within each you need a contract that says we're not going to try to do all of this at once We're not going to try to make this all different today. We're not going to try to make some kind of magic that hasn't happened yet. We're not going to try to make that happen now and burn our chance for success. When what what we've gotten to know, based on Peter Levine's nervous system reflections and his dissertation from 40 years ago at Berkeley and such, it's like when you get this kind of complexity in the nervous system, it requires a minute change, and like the like the smallest of titrations, so that the the nervous system shifting between these different states can become smoother rather than chaotic and antagonistic to one another. You're trying to smooth out those changes. You're trying to get little successes that don't make everything else rumble. It's a it's a Zeman machine kind of thing. If you can reference. Your, any of you for advanced your Zeman machine kind of material. It's it's just trying to figure out how to stay in that range of engagement with the problem state to where the transition that's to happen in here doesn't create more chaos and it gets a little bit more ordered for having done the success of itself. And then you're just trying to grow that bit by bit, trying to grow that bit by bit, probably these things are going to start to move on their own. And then you've got a whole different place to go because now you're not every new sensation is a threat. Now your every new sensation leads to something else. And how do I guide it and how do I direct it and help it become complete and successful? That's, that's in fact a whole nother thing. But for getting it going, make sure you don't make it any worse and try to do little tiny things. And when you do them, get out of there so you don't just add them all to one another and cause the conflagration from your own requests.
get that space in between. Can I leave it at that? I can. Oh, thanks so much. I've been thinking about you. I've been looking forward to coming back and chatting these things up. We're at episode 81. Let's see what happens next. I'm wishing you the best. Take good care. Bye-bye now. Here's a tracking twig moment for episode 81. First, an apology and appreciation for longtime listeners. I'm sorry that the programming was interrupted recently, that there was a unexpected three or four weeks of no episodes when we had been moving right along at a Tuesday and Saturday pace. It just doesn't work when I'm traveling. It just turns out I've learned that, at least in the structure that I have it in now, it doesn't work. So maybe in some other configuration it will for me. For now, I'll put down that idea that while I'm traveling, I can record these reflections for you. So I'll just take that as a message that I should pace this out in a particular way. I think I can see that working for this episode 81 to 100. I'm going to move toward publishing on Saturdays. So you can look for one of these episodes on Saturday. That does mention in the home stretch, in the last 20%, in the last 20 episodes now, of a project that I've been working on for over six years now, uh, but sharing more publicly for two and a half. And it really had its its run last year. If you're a new listener, you can go back and find a whole archive at liberationispossible.org backslash reflections, and you'll find information about what this project is all about, where it comes from, from the heart, I would say, and why I'm up to it, how it comes to you, what you can do to access it, all of that. Liberationispossible.org backslash reflections. Other news, I was down in Tucson, Arizona. I wasn't at the advanced class. They had a huge advanced class. It was a big, it was a big shindig. Awesome. So glad to hear it. I was there the week before, had a little demonstration and meeting. We had a, what we had a potluck bunch of people came out we hung out for several hours didn't talk about se it was super wonderful everybody got to talk about their own lives and other things we got to watch the sunset it was it was lush out there in the desert you know years back i went and did a tour through arizona doing se introductions way way back in the day i was really gung-ho for it and driving all around the state doing two introductions in a day sometimes i was there for a week did a whole bunch there were like two SE practitioners in Tucson at the time. And now there's there's just bunches of y'all there. It, fantastic. I, I think that's the case everywhere. You know, the more of us, the merrier. That's what I say. It was nice to see you. And one thing that happened in Tucson was I got a little message that I needed to reorganize my plan. Because I had this plan that I was going to go on to California and do workshops there and it was going to go through the northway da, 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 da. one thing led to the next and i realized that's all not going to work so i um i bagged it all i'm sorry i know some of you were looking forward to seeing me in california but you know the last several several trips out i haven't had enough attendance to really make it viable and that that kind of happened again in tucson and it was it was going to happen again in california so i've been trying to make a turn some of you know that with my work i'm looking forward to making that turn it's not that i've not been doing it. I've been actively doing it. It's just that this transition now gets to take place where I don't get to do 
all the same things I used to do, and I get to try to start to do new things that I haven't done yet. And in that time, it's kind of freaky. Here I am being freaky in front of you. So um, in March, I'm spending my time trying to wrap up several SE-oriented programs, projects, things that I've created for you. One is a fun one that's on Facebook right now. It's called Twig Tracking the Blender series. It's from the Zany Collection. And the podcast is continuing. I'm working on that. Other things, other things out there, for example, strongest example, my SE languaging guide, working really hard to try to bring together the phrase book that I have been building to go along with that. If you're interested in checking out my hmm, program for how you can tighten and improve and really clarify your communications with your clients so that you can get their success in your sessions, that's at my guide page. Just go to my homepage and look for the picture at the top left, the SE Languaging Guide. Okay, there you go. Here I am on the planet with you being human. That's that.